From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. It's Friday, April 22nd. Today on KZMU News, I'm handing the host chair to Sarah Mead. The executive director of Moab Community Radio interviews me and KZMU News reporter Justin Higginbottom about putting together this very program. It's another Radiothon tradition where we get to reflect on what we do and why. Here's Sarah. You know, we talk about this a lot. Our station is growing rapidly. There are all kinds of things that are happening behind the scenes and that eventually come out over the air in some way, shape, or form. And one of those things is our efforts in uh, in the news broadcast arena. I recently just watched Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and was reading reading the book with my little kid. And the scene where, I can't remember the name of the contraption, but it's the uh, the bubblegum thing where it's a three-course meal and one stick of gum. Oh, yeah. And there's this, like, huge contraption that has all of these, like, honking sounds and pipes and, like, different types of liquid and everything. And it, you know, it takes, like, a whole five minutes to do its thing. And it takes up half a room. Uh-huh. And then at the end of it, there's this, like, tiny little stick of gum. Um, that once you consume it, you have this like amazing experience. And for some reason, (laughs) that feels very apt right now when we're talking about all of the work that it takes to make the KZMU news broadcasts and podcast and, um, you know, online presence. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And then it's always like beautifully packaged in this neat little thing for our listeners to be able to take away what they need to be informed and engaged citizens. Um, what do you think? Is that is that I, apt? I love that metaphor. I think we should do a promo that says, do you love Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? <laughs> well, you're going to love KZMU News. Yes. This is basically what we're doing every day. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. You heard it here, folks. But if I can ask, can we enlighten the listener a little bit about what it really takes to, to kind of make this happen? Um, you know, I, I know that that's a big question, but... Um, you know, when you when you two are working together to decide what to report on, you know, for example, like how what what makes you decide on what to share with the listener? What are the sort of things that you go through in your mm-hmm. mind when you're thinking about what's important to put over our airwaves? Justin, do you want to take that first? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a kind of fun part of this job because Molly, I don't think, has yet told me I can't report on an idea, <laughs> which is unique and a change for me um, working in a newsroom. So yeah, I think mostly what's interesting and impactful for the community, we're a community and regional newsroom. And so I think we think about that first or taking maybe a topic that applies nationally or to the state level and then seeing how that might impact someone in Moab or Grand County or San Juan County. Right. I think Justin has done such a great job of doing that. Like this week, he reported on some changes that the Interior Department made to oil and gas leasing. And this is like a national story that he contextualized for Utah and Grand County. So, you know, we talk about stories like that a lot. We also talk about stories that interest us or people that interest us, people doing things in our community or our region and why they're doing them. I know this is kind of a controversial word in uh, journalism, but storytelling is really important to mm-hmm. me. And I think it's important to Justin, too, like telling a good story accurately in a quality way Mm -hmm. um, and a way that is like digestible and like fun to listen to um, on the radio and will make you want to keep your radio on. Yeah. 
and Moab's filled with people with pretty interesting stories. It seems like this mm-hmm. area of Utah, this area of the country is just a magnet for interesting characters. Yeah. Are there any that have um, stood out to you since you've been part of this team, Justin? You started in September, um, which seems like years ago. It does. It really <laughs> does seem like you've been part of this team for a very long time, although it's it hasn't even been a year. And you've done such you know, uh, diverse reporting and gone to so many different places. Um, What has stood out for you in this time? So we do audio portraits, the non-narrated sort of profiles of people. What's the last one I did? Ekaterina, a sculptor that's in the LaSalle's and she has an absolutely fascinating story of how she ended up in the LaSalle's. But then also I got to spend a day after the snowstorm kind of hanging out in her workshop and seeing all the cool work she does. Um, I've traveled down to uh, Four Corners area in the Navajo Nation, the Utah part of the Navajo Nation, and I've spoken with a lot of people there that have fascinating stories and really interesting perspectives that don't I don't think necessarily get reported on often enough. Yeah, I just want to piggyback off that. You know, you've taken several trips to San Juan County in the Navajo Nation and made a lot of contacts there. And from your different reporting trips, you know, listeners have heard several stories, several big kind of feature stories um, on really important issues. Always impressed by that work. And I feel lucky that we have the capacity now to um, report there, which we didn't before. That's part of the growth of KZMU News and KZMU made possible by you, listener, directly, Mm -hmm. (laughs) directly. Yes. And in fact, if you're listening right now, please uh, call in 435-259-5968. It's the last Friday of Radiothon. Um, this is pre-recorded, so if you call now, you will not be interrupting us. Nope. We are actually standing by to answer your call. And we both brought up something that I think is really important, this concept of storytelling and its place in journalism. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the amazing things about broadcast journalism is that we, unlike other um, other types of you know public media that's accessible mm-hmm. here in our community, we have the ability to actually share the voices of people who are experiencing these things. And when you can hear the story of a, of a person from their own mouth, you know, like in their own voice and in their mm-hmm. own cadence and in their own dialect, their own language, how they speak, that mm-hmm. really enables you as a listener to put yourself in their shoes. And it's, you know, it's kind of like a radical act of empathy in some ways, you know, like that's how you can start to make positive change or at least build tolerance or understanding in the community. Mm-hmm. And in a small town or a rural community like ours, that's so important. I'm always so impressed by both of your reporting and also your ability to share these stories and share these voices and do it in a way that's ethical, that is, you know, unbiased, and that's, you know, basically kind of presenting them to the listener to let the listener make up their own mind, um, while also building those bridges of understanding and connection within the community. I'm glad you brought that up. One of my um, favorite people in radio who I would just, you know, lose it if I got to meet one day is Joe Richmond, who does Radio Diaries. And he says radio isn't ideal for going wide and comprehensive, but it's great at going narrow and deep. And and I often keep that in mind because what he means by that is that good radio can uncover universal meaning from like the specifics of people's lives and experiences. 
I think we all know that radio can really be so intimate and so powerful. And with this medium, we have the ability to sort of uniquely tell stories from the ground up. And that's that's really what we're aiming for at, at KZMU News, is amplifying, lifting up, connecting our community. And that's what good radio can really do best. And if you agree, dear listener, please call in and donate 435-259-5968. The other thing that uh, you both made me think of, our capacity to be able to cover a wider region. And I think that in a place like Moab that's growing so quickly, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's the tendency for us to kind of, you know, at least for some of the locals to get even more um, withdrawn, you know, to kind of like just be within our little community, within our little groups, within our own little world. And um, we can forget what's going on outside of us. We all have access to, you know, 24-7 news through our devices and through, um, you know, through the internet. But there are stories and realities that are very close by us in this region that completely get overlooked or, you know, forgotten um, simply because of their rural nature, because there isn't the the capacity and the resources to share those stories. So our ability now to travel (laughs) and to, (laughs) and again, to get those stories from the people who are experiencing them, it's a huge feather in our cap, I think, in the news department to be able to get to that point. Yeah, I don't know if there's if there's anything in, you know, Molly, your experience as as the person who sort of started this news department four years ago, um, to get to the place where we are starting to like, broaden the scope of, of reporting. Um, and I'd love to hear from you too, Justin, like how specifically how have you seen that impact the newscast? And have you noticed listener trends or noticed anything mm-hmm. from listeners for these particular pieces? Yeah, we've gotten a lot of feedback, whether that's like anecdotal, because yeah. you know, we still live in a small town. So people know us. Mm-hmm. And they say, hey, I like that story <laughs> that I heard. Um, I'm also noticing our listenership on our podcast has remained really consistent, mm-hmm. which is great. That means that we have like a solid base of people who are downloading our podcast every single day, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, So and we also have a lot of streaming listeners. We can see on our stream that people are um, turning on the radio close to noon and seven (laughs) to hear the news. It's true. So for listener trends, I feel um, pretty blown away. You know, when we started we didn't quite know how we were going to pull this off every day. I remember that very first newscast we celebrated. um, We had like, I I think we had like fake champagne or something. (laughs) And then the very next day I was like, oh, I have to do this again. (laughs) Every day forever. Every day forever. No, but I, I, I say that because, you know, that was where we were at the very beginning. We're now at a point where we can actually take stock and like, do visioning work, which we're doing right now, which Justin and I and Sarah, everybody in this room has been constantly talking about um, our vision for KZMU News. And that seems like a really, a really strong point to be at. Are there any exclusives that you feel like (laughs) you can share with the listener um, or, or anything that you are looking forward to as we kind of enter into our 30th year in reporting, you know, what, what are some stories or what are some beats or, um, you know, maybe even methods um, mm. of, of reporting that you're excited to try? Yeah, I mean, I think that's why I do really like working here is Molly and I can shape 
what ASIM news will look like. You know, reporting on rural areas in the country, it takes a bit of effort. You know, you have to drive out to areas and sometimes you don't have cell service and it's hard to track down people. That reporting is really important, though. Um, yeah. Yeah. And luckily, I love doing that. I love spending the day driving around and getting <laughs> lost. So that's great. And just to continue being able to do that, continue to, I think, expand coverage kind of in the Four Corners area. I think mm -hmm. that's where my interests lie right now. And we have some mm -hmm. plans to, you know, experiment with certain formats too. So we rode kind of high off of our, you know, success from our first documentary in the fall. So listeners can expect some new stuff from us in that regard as well. Well, thank you both. Um, I want to just wrap this up really quick by uh, informing the listener, if, if you have forgotten, that um, KZMU did in fact submit some of these stories that you're talking about, like Welcome to to Moab and the Lift Up series. We submitted them to not one, but two different uh, journalism award competitions, and we'll, we should be hearing back about those um, fairly soon. But that alone, just the act of submitting, mm -hmm. was quite it indicates a milestone and indicates a growth point. So um, when we couldn't do this, literally we could not do this without you um, listeners who support KZMU News and support everything that we do to bring local reporting to the air. I would also like to take this moment to remind listeners that they can go to kzmu.org and on the right-hand side of the homepage, if you scroll down past our little fundraising thermometer, there is a listener survey. And that's where you can let us know how you listen to KZMU News, how you listen to um, KZMU in general, if you listen to podcasts, etc. And um, as many responses as we can get from our listeners will help us to make some critical decisions about what our programming is in the future. Uh, thank you both. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about KZMU news and public affairs um, at this at this point? Um, I just feel, you know, thank you, listener. I mean, I, I'm so jazzed when people find us and say that they tune in. I just, um, you know, I'm, it's it's an honor to do this job. It really is. I feel like it is an honor and a privilege to do what we do. Um, and I really am blown away by the people who tune in every day, every week. And I hope that we can just continue to build a legacy of quality, thoughtful, and, you know, importantly, quirky reporting here at KZMU News. And now we head to the weekly newsreel to check in with reporters on their latest stories of the Moab area. A local climber was seriously injured last week when a loose chunk of rock caused him to fall 50 feet. Doug McMurdo from the Times Independent has more from their coverage. Our big story this week regards a local climber who sustained a serious uh, hand injury Wednesday, April 13th. Okay. Um, he's a local, Dalton Snow. Um, he's an adventure athlete, and uh, he and some friends were climbing uh, out behind um, Moonflower Canyon off King Creek Boulevard. He was 50 feet up, and he was trying to climb over a rock the size of a, of a mini fridge, is how uh, his friends described it. And that rock gave way, and uh, he plummeted along with the rock uh, down to the ground. And we're not sure how he injured his hand, but he almost lost it. Mm. And, um, I mean, 
ripped it off. It was mm-hmm. this pretty serious uh, injury, and Dalton is in uh, a hospital in Denver, mm-hmm. and he's getting ready to go through uh, several several surgeries. So what I wanted to talk about today was the importance of, number one, having an emergency beacon, because one of his friends uh, that was there, these guys are trained paramedics, trained EMTs, trained in um, outdoor. Oh, his, uh, his friends? His friends who were oh, with wow. him. Mm-hmm. And so was he. Okay. So they, they were able to deal with it like soldiers deal with, you know, getting shot at. They deal with it very matter-of-factly mm-hmm. without letting their emotions uh, overrun them. So two things. It's important to have that beacon if you're going to be um, out there in the wilderness. Uh, it's important to have that or some kind of communication device to let people know that you're in trouble and, and where you are. Um, and the second thing is, to, you know, take the time to get that education. Um, he improvised a tourniquet using a climbing rope. Um, that's a skill that not everybody has or the, where, you know, the, the wherewithal to, uh, to apply it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just uh, another one was able to get to uh, uh, climb to a spot where his emergency beacon would certainly work. Um, took a lot of time um, from having to climb, you know, right. back to the car to to get a signal. So all of these things fell into place mm-hmm. to um, keep something that was already really bad. Uh, from becoming much worse. He's he's going to be okay. There is a GoFundMe for those interested. Mm-hmm. Um, you can. Uh, his name is Dalton Snow. He doesn't have insurance. We have a really good interview that Sophia Fisher did with his friends, and um, uh, he's in uh, remarkably high spirits. So good for him. Um, takes that kind of personality to do that kind of uh, recreation anyway. Now, did um, did search and rescue respond to this oh, incident? It, it was a, a typical. Okay. Um, search and rescue coming in like the cavalry and the EMTs and uh, classic air, right. you know, the air ambulance. Um, everybody uh, goes above and beyond all the time. I mean, we, we see what they do. I've, I've, I've done feature stories on, on them. I'm sure you have too. Uh, remarkable men and women, and we're very lucky mm-hmm. to have them. Not the busiest search and rescue in Utah. It's uh, like us in Washington County take yeah. turns. Sure. To see who's going to be. Sometimes you know, the busiest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like every other year, we're the uh-huh. busiest, but right. but not not every year. Yeah. Uh, but still very busy. I, oh, you uh-huh. know, over a hundred calls, and um, they there were over twenty calls Easter uh, Easter week. EMS and search and rescue. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was a really busy busy weekend. I think it's the busiest weekend we've had in 2022. For more on the local climber who was injured on April 13th, you can read some reflections and impressions in the Times Independent. Always nice to check in with people who are friends of the person who experienced this and good to know that he will make a recovery. Yes, absolutely. Where do you want to take us next, Doug? Um, Every year, the Moab City Council has its uh, community contribution program in which it hands out funding to several nonprofits. And this year, they uh, they postponed taking action at their last meeting, and they might take action this uh, coming Tuesday in a few days to dole out that or allocate that funding. But they're going to put more of a focus, I believe, on those nonprofits involved in housing issue, particularly uh, displacement to people who have been displaced because of their trailer trailer park where they were living has right. been uh, sold to, uh, to make way for uh, development. So not sure what they're going to do there, but there's a really good chance that either Tuesday night or, or down the road at some point that they're going to revisit this entire program because mm-hmm. Councillor uh, 
Ronnie DeRessery said, um, it kind of pits all these nonprofits against each other. You know, and we have 80 of them mm-hmm. here in here in Moab. That's a lot of nonprofits for mm-hmm. a, 10, 000, a county of 10,000 people. They are competing with one another for uh, uh, mm-hmm. the, the city's benevolence. And full disclosure, listener, KZMU is one of those nonprofits who applied for funding this year. So with, with the nonprofit funding, you said one counselor at least wants to take a look at the way that they allocate funds to, you know, these different organizations. Um, I know this had changed from several years back when um, nonprofits would apply to the city for different things. Now they kind of do it all at once. <laughs> right. And they have, a, as reported in the TI, they have $55,000 this year to dole out. Um, they might take action on it next week. You know, the city council felt like any nonprofit that dealt with housing um, should get more money. The city's transitioning and housing is clearly the issue of the day. Yeah. And also, you know, these nonprofits who deal in that realm, they're filling a gap where the city isn't. And the Multicultural Center mm-hmm. has right. done a wonderful job mm-hmm. uh, helping people recently displaced. They're saving lives as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Not to be overly dramatic. We all need a roof over our head, especially right. when we have children to care mm-hmm. for. Doug McMurdo, editor of The Times Independent. Subscription info and more stories can be found at moabtimes.com. Speaking of housing issues, another group of Moab residents is facing eviction. Grand County is ordering local guides to vacate a piece of private property where they currently live in tents and vehicles. Allison Harford from the Moab Sun News has more from their coverage. Grand County is ordering about 16 people to vacate a property on private property in town where they've been living in tents and vehicles. But this is in violation of the county's camping ordinance, which is why they're um, getting kicked out. And so these people are all former or current employees of Navtech, which is a local guide company. And the deadline for them to move out is June 30th. So the county passed this no camping ordinance um, last year in January that clarified an existing ban on camping outside of established permitted campgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and within that, officials said that like they acknowledged the housing crisis um, and they didn't want to use the rule to like cite members of the workforce who were unable to find stable housing. Mm-hmm. But the Navtech general manager, Brian Martinez, said that he believes the county is now d- acting in direct conflict with that stated intent because mm-hmm. they are kicking people out who are in the workforce. So how did this happen? Yeah, so the enforcement of the no camping policy is complaint based. Mm. Um, So officers said they wouldn't go looking for violations unless somebody filed a complaint. And there have recently been two complaints about this property. So it's assumed that that's why they went in and investigated it. And public health officials have said that they wanted to ensure that waste is properly managed on um, properties. And like, this is a big reason why they had this no camping Mm. ordinance is because yeah, they want to ensure that waste is properly managed and that people are housed in safe and sanitary conditions. But in the current housing market, moving people out of these substandard living conditions means that they have nowhere to go. Right. It's not like there's 
a wealth of options out there for right. them or else they wouldn't be living in the parking lot of yeah Nautic. exactly and so um this property is private land it's between the wastewater treatment plant and um land owned by the nature conservancy and a lot of people have been living there for a really long time so one person who rachel talked to has been living there since october And another has been living there for um, almost 10 years. So Navtech pays for regular service of a portable toilet on site. And there's a 120-gallon water tank for drinking and washing. But it's just in violation of this camping ordinance. And the people who Rachel talked to said that there's nowhere else for them to go. And they're not really sure what they're going to do. And they've been talking about maybe camping together in the LaSalle Mountains over the summer. Um, But one woman who Navtech hired um, has already said that she doesn't want to go and doesn't want to camp in the mountains um, following the murders of Crystal Turner and Kylan Schultz, um, who were found in the LaSalle's. Mm-hmm. And so now Tech has already lost one employee um, because of this. And also the LaSalle Mountains are, it's pretty competitive to get a site there. And it's also a really long commute. And one of the people who Rachel talked to pointed out that this is just pushing the problem onto federal land mm-hmm. instead of now Tech being able to privately, like, manage these people. And we know that, you know, our community isn't just affected by this. There are increasing amounts of people camping for extended periods of time on public lands nearby other towns that have huge tourism economies Mm -hmm. and a lot of public land. Right. Um, You know, so you said this was private land owned by Navtech. Mm -hmm. Um, The issue is the camping ordinance. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting to me because there are towns that are similar to us. Well, one town in particular, I should rephrase that, Crested Butte. Mm -hmm. Um, Crested Butte passed a camping policy that permits um, camping in residential zones. Hmm. Um, And so they realized that people were, instead of um, having an anti-camping policy, they permitted the Mm -hmm. policy. It's a free permit. You have to prove that you're working in Crested Butte um, Mm -hmm. to get that permit. And I know that this was something that staff at Moab City had thrown out to the city council before, but that conversation didn't really go anywhere. Yeah, so Brian Martinez, who's the manager of Navtech, said that he's been in communication with county officials, and they've offered extensions on the original deadline for compliance. Um, And they said that they're researching possibilities for the property to be legally used for employee camping. But he also mentioned that he's pretty frustrated that the property was targeted in the first place. And he said, whatever happened to re-quoting County Attorney Christina Sloan, who said, we never kick people out without resources or help. Um, And so Rachel reached out to Christina Sloan, and she said that the county is working on the issue, but could provide no further comment before press time. Okay. Well, thank you so much for this really important coverage. You can read more on it in the Moab Sun News. And where do you want to take us next? What else would you like to highlight today, Ali? A Moab local turned 107 on April 9th, making her one of the oldest people in Utah. Wow. Um, in July 2021, there are 165 centenarians in the state. So she's one of them. And her name is Kathleen K. Thompson-Stoy. And she's been living in Moab since the 1950s. Wow. She also was a member of the Women's Reserve of the United States Coast Guard during World War II. Um, She graduated from University of California, Berkeley in 1937. Yeah, she's a pretty amazing lady. So I talked to her daughter Mm -hmm. um, because Kay is currently at the Kingdomlands Care Center um, and her 
four children just came out to Moab to have a little birthday party Mm -hmm. for her. There were also her grandchildren were there and two great grandchildren. Um, So I talked to her daughter, Rita, who said that she thinks the secret to her mother's full life is Kay's capacity for joy. She played a lot of bridge throughout her life, (laughs) which is what Rita thinks that um, that's what kind of kept her mom's brain really sharp Mm -hmm. um, because she doesn't suffer from Alzheimer's or dementia at Mm -hmm. all. She's still kicking pretty good. Kay also surrounded herself with friends throughout her life. Um, She really enjoys the sunshine. She goes outside every day. And also every day at 4 p.m. she has a small glass of Chardonnay. All right. I I love these stories because there's always like, what's the secret? I need to ask that question. (laughs) Also, you know, winning the genetic lottery. Let's be real. Right, (laughs) exactly. But sure, Chardonnay. Chardonnay and bridge. And you said she was one of the centenarians in Utah. That's amazing Mm. that there are over 160, did Mm -hmm. you say? There are 165 (laughs) as of July 2021. Congratulations. Congratulations um, on another big birthday. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, Kay. And finally, um, there's another story in the Moabs and News I know you wanted to get to. Where are you taking us next? Yeah, so Evan Smiley is a local bike enthusiast. He's worked at, as a guide. He's also worked at a couple bike shops. Um, and now he's creating this cycling hub that he calls Moab Community Cycles. And so when I talked to him about this, he pointed out that the cycling community in town Mm -hmm. feels really disjointed and cyclists kind of they kind of self-sort themselves. Hmm, so it's okay. almost like road bikers versus mountain bikers versus casual bikers mm. who just like bike to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's kind of this juxtaposition between tourists and also mountain bikers who move here for the mountain biking community. And recently there was bike joring the racers. Right. I mean, Moab is this huge hub of biking. But Evan said that no one really interacts with each other. And mm. so he wanted to create this community community space where people could come together and meet each other and help each other. Um, And so he calls it Moab Community Cycles. And they do a couple different things. It's kind of like this do-it-all project. So it connects all the riders in the Moab community, and it also provides low-cost bikes to people who um, maybe can't afford to buy them. He kind of collects all of these bikes and bike parts, and Mm -hmm. then um, he works on them and sells them at a much lower cost. Um, And then another aspect of Moab Community Cycles is that they host these community tune-up nights where you can go get your your bike fixed just little bike maintenance things um for a small donation so how is evan doing it is he like finding these bike parts is he scouring you know classified ads for bikes to fix up yeah it's kind of all of the above he said he's been collecting bikes um for a couple of years and he estimates that he has about 50 bikes in his backyard oh wow and these are bikes that are waiting to be fixed or they're given to him by people who don't need them anymore so some are too far gone which mm-hmm. means that he'll strip them for any viable parts Parts, mm-hmm. But others um, he'll work on during these tune-up nights mm-hmm. and also with other volunteers. And with the right amount of mechanic work, they can be resold. And all of that profit just goes right back into this um, Moab Community Cycles project. He said he really just wants to form a bridge between all the different people that enjoy riding bikes here. And he kind of wants to take away 
these walls that prevent people from biking, mm-hmm. such as price or just like being intimidated by mm-hmm. the bikers here. And you said, you know, there are tune-up nights. So is that kind of like the way to get involved or, you know, to check it out? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, tune-up nights for sure. Um, the next one is on Thursday, April 28th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Moab Valley Multicultural Center. Um, you can also follow the project on Instagram at Moab Community Cycles. Allison Harford, staff reporter at the Moab Sun News. Subscription info and more stories can be found at moabsunnews.com. And that's the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest coverage of the Moab area. You can find the pieces that were mentioned today in the show notes at our website, kzmu.org, and wherever you listen to the KZMU News podcast. Thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU Community Powered Radio.